We'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsors for helping to make this podcast possible. Thank you to RegisterToRing.com and to a very generous anonymous donor. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome to Captain's Corner, a podcast about community, mission, and culture. This podcast is a ministry of the Salvation Army of Tampa, where we exist because we believe every person can be the person God has called them to be. Also, please check us out at tampasa.org and go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at SalArmyTampa. And of course, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Today on the podcast, we have General Brian Peddle, the international leader of the Salvation Army. I'm saying to the International Salvation Army, I'm saying to anyone who will listen, these are days of plenty for the Hmm. Salvation Army. And I'm really asking the question of us, are we being faithful with all that God has given to us? Well, hi, friends, and welcome to Captain's Corner. This is Captain Andy Miller from Tampa, Florida, and we have the high privilege today to have the international leader of the Salvation Army, our general, General Brian Peddle, on the line all the way from London, England. Welcome to Captain's Corner, General. Thank you, uh, Captain. It's great to be with you. Absolutely. Well, we've been excited for the fact that we had this conversation coming, and we just want to be able to get a sense of some of the broader things that are happening within the Salvation Army internationally. It's amazing to think that you sit in the chair that William Booth sat in as general and leader of the Salvation Army, and the Salvation Army came to Tampa, Florida 126 years ago while Mm -hmm. William Booth was still living and active. And here we are in a new generation serving God, fulfilling the mission of the Salvation Army. But before we get into some of those international pieces, I'd love just to hear about some of your background personally, where God's led your life. I imagine that it didn't start off as a boy wanting to become general of the Salvation Army. <laughs> I, I wouldn't start there. No, I don't think. Well, maybe there are some junior soldiers that have that dream. But oh, really? <laughs> I was never a junior soldier. So. Okay, interesting. Uh, yeah, I came to the Army uh, a little later in life at uh, 16 years of age. Okay. And was captured, I think is the best way to describe it. That's how but, it works in an Army sometimes. <laughs> Well, uh, captured, uh, captured in the sense of my heart and my, uh, my abandonment of what I didn't think was particularly exciting in my uh, church life of that day, but the army just enthralled me, and uh, these early days were quite captivating. That's how I began. And, and where was this? Um, I, I grew up in the province of Newfoundland on the east coast of Canada, where the army uh, had a significant footprint uh, within the community, within the populace of that particular province. And um, Salvation Army was vibrant, strong. Well, we had our own hospitals. We had our own denominational schools. We, wow. we had our own training college. So the prominence of Salvation Army was significant. Now, that's an interesting thing that a lot of people might not know, particularly people from an audience in the United States. You know, we right. struggle with people knowing that we are a church. Um, mm. it, like in, in our area, we have two cores within 
our county and sure. one has about 75 on a so Sunday morning, another between 175 and 200. But in Newfoundland, correct me if I'm wrong, I've heard that the Salvation Army as a congregation in Newfoundland is one of the largest even churches in that area. Like there, like you indicated, there's even um, a William Booth High School, I've heard. Yeah. Um, so well, like even per capita, is it one of the highest areas of people who participate in the Salvation Army? Uh, or I'm, was? I'm guessing yes, based on my uh, knowledge of where membership in all of Canada uh, originates from, the Salvation Army in Newfoundland had a very high proportion. We trained uh, nearly half of the officer contingency in wow. Canada. Uh, but, but these were days when uh, things were quite significantly clear when it came to denominational responsibility. Yes, we were one of three denominations that ran our own school system. Uh, that is not the case anymore, any more than we're involved in hospitals, any more than we have a training college there right. uh, today. But the whole province and its, uh, its ambience was different in those days. I'm talking 40 years ago when I began and was originally attracted to the Salvation Army. It is not any less important today in the culture Amen. of that province, but it's not the same significance as it had in those days. I think it's interesting. I've heard that you know there was a, there was at least two um, training schools within the Canadian territory, and yes. this this kind of like um real sense that Newfoundland was this place that was sending people out. It's just and we have several international leaders, even um, our former territorial commander here in the Southern Territory and my sure. former Corps Sergeant Major, Max Feener, came from that area. Yeah. And we're, yeah. there's a sense that there's this um, this vibrancy that came in even theological conviction from that area. So I, I just think it's an interesting tidbit that so many people <laughs> come from Newfoundland. Um, did you serve uh, um, out in other provinces in Canada? As an yeah, officer? The, well, the majority of my officership was served uh, across Canada. We had a significant appointment about uh, 15 years in back to the province to lead one of the corps. We did that for eight years. Again, reintroducing us to foundational frameworks that, uh, from a cultural perspective, with regard to where we are from, what shapes us, uh, it was like a reintroduction to things that were important when we served back there uh, between 1992 and the year 2000. And so, and you also, you had other international appointments outside of Canada before mm -hmm. moving we, to, could you, could you outline those for us? Uh, we served in uh, New Zealand, Fiji, Tonga, and Samoa territory as divisional commanders. Wow. We've served in the UK, Chief Secretary, back to Canada for our leadership of our home territory back to international headquarters as the international secretary for the americas and caribbean then got asked to be the chief of the staff and well the rest is wow. history <laughs> and some might know that might not know the way that a general is elected in Salvation Army, all of the international leaders of the Salvation Army mm -hmm. come together. Um, sometimes we joke about how it might be similar to electing a pope, but there's no smoke or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> but the ge general is elected by, in a sense, their peers. And, um, yes. and so you were called upon. I mean, that's a, a distinct thing. And normally throughout all those other appointments, somebody called you and said, you're doing this. But yes. this time you had yes. a group of people. Feel, sensing God's leading for you to take this appointment. What does that weight feel like on your shoulders? 
Hmm. Privilege, hmm. not weight. Oh, good. Uh, you know, I believe in the principle of uh, being yoked together with God in service. Uh, so I, I don't particularly, I don't view it as a weight. I, I view it as an incredible privilege. I mean, this is the only elected office in the Salvation Army. Right. It took 108 people to come up with this appointment for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> that hasn't been the case, as you suggest, over the years. You're appointed by senior officers or people in in leadership over you and, and all of that. But th this is unique. I don't want to diminish the significance of the ask. I mean, sitting right. in that room and realizing that this could happen wow. uh, was, was particularly an afternoon. I, I don't think I'd want to experience it again, but the sense of responsibility that was coming my way was, was in, in moments of my humanity quite, quite uh, unrelenting and quite burdensome. So in that sense, yes, the initial weight. But what comes with God's assurance, I think, is the opportunity to share privilege. Wow. And I imagine at that time you had to make speeches and present mm. like how if you were given the opportunity of this privilege, as you say, yep. I appreciate that correction because I think that's a wonderful way to think about service uh, in general. It's our privilege yep. to walk with Christ on behalf mm. of others. Um, yes. You, you establish priorities. And I can uh, think of already with the communication we've received and we've shared with our core congregation uh, about some of your priorities. I think if, if one word that seems to be consistent is the word call, like you are calling soldiers to service, you're calling people to mission. But it, it, what is the big, the kind of priorities that you sense coming through this time you're called to lead the International Army? Yeah. I think there, there are, are priorities that exist that are very internal to the Army that, that I would refer to as our infrastructure, our being fit for purpose. We are spending a lot of time and energies to make sure that we're people of excellence, whether it's in our accountability, our governance, our systems, our financial realities that the public has a genuine interest in, right. and then in our programmatic delivery. Uh, we, we need to do all that well, not because uh, people come up with compliance and regulatory realities, but because we're the people of God. Yes. We, we do his work well. Hmm. And I think, you know, beyond those internal dialogues that we continue to have, there is the, the very expressive reality that the world needs the Salvation Army. The Amen. world needs a, a spiritual movement, uh, a Holy Spirit-directed movement, Amen. that means we have to be spiritually where God needs us to be so that His blessing can roll over our Amen. spiritual work. Because we're not a, a, just another charity. We, Amen. we are, we are a, a church with a very deep awareness of the poor and the yes. marginalized in our communities. But we work at that out of a particular position of calling. Amen. And I've appreciated that, like, even the way that 
you've written some things and spoken about the nature of Salvation Army soldiership not being kind of a, well, I want to get into the band or it's time for me to have a uniform or I'm 14, now it's time for me. But really seeing this as something very specifically related to calling, not just officership as a calling, which it is, if we nuance it in particular ways, but you're even saying like soldiership is a calling. Is that right? That's uh, that's right. I, I I want to say to you, I suppose that you know how we do soldiership needs again to have a new, fresh wind of the spirit. In that soldiership has to be anchored in service. Amen. If we are going to unlock the riches of our relationship with God Almighty, it has to be born out of our servant obedient relationship with him. Uh, soldiership is not a entry to something. Right. It is an engagement in something. Amen. And that something is the mission of God in the world. Amen. I love that emphasis. Well, I'm going to ask a question that's a little different. I wonder okay. if you could be a core officer for a week again. Well, it may, who knows? Maybe in retirement that could happen for you. But if you could be a core officer for a week... What would you do? I'm, I'm a core officer right now, and I thank God for the, the privilege, but I'd love to hear what you would do. First thing I'd say, I wouldn't want to be a core officer for a week. I, I, I still have my original premise that I should be a core officer for my whole life. Amen. Okay. Uh, so, so a week. Well, let's say you could be a core I, officer again. You, you had to get it in there. You... What would I do? I, I, without any question, I would look more intently for the sacred encounters with people that are around every corner. Wow. I would take more time to invest in individuals. Mm -hmm. I would keep a closer eye on the children and youth and the emerging generations within my remit. Mm -hmm. I would delegate more and empower people to do, even if it were things that I could do, I would empower others. I would pray and study equal to the responsibility I was given in my delivery of God's word or the administering of his grace. The, the, these, these are things now that as I look back retrospectively, I would say, was I too busy doing? Hmm. Uh, I think I would, my intentionality I think would shift and I would perhaps want to see more outcome from the perspective of what I was putting in. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting to hear you, you say all those things. It's convicting to me as well. I mean, I, I want to be doing those things. I want to share those same yeah. convictions. Um, and I, I suppose, General, you could appoint yourself to be a core officer if you really wanted to. But I think I think we're going to, we need you where you are. <laughs> but well, well let's leave that one for now at least get, i'm just finishing my first year okay so i gotcha i gotcha let, let me do another chapter sounds good so when you talk about this like you think about the things that you would even do differently if you were serving at that point as a core officer the, the constant question for us as we move forward to the fight god has for us is what is firm about the army and what are, what are the things that need to change what are the things that are we're going to remain consistent? And in your in your view, what are the things that can and should change about the nature of the army's mission? Wow, that's a huge question. I'm sorry. How much time are you? 
How much time are you giving? Oh, oh well, uh, I'll, I'll take as long as you can. I was hoping for a, a half an hour, but you, if you, you want a succinct answer to that. I know. Uh, the problem, I, I've always wondered about generals, is that you, your, your challenge for you is you have to be general. You can't be always as specific as you would like. But I, No, here we, here we go. Uh, I think there's a distinctiveness about our identity. Hmm. What I mean by that is that we are an evangelical expression within the global Christian church. Amen. I believe uh, we are called and gifted with this quasi-military reference and structure so that we can be easily mobilized, uh, programmatically diverse. In other words, we can serve in many different ways in many different places. We can be unashamed of our ultimate goal as mm -hmm. a part of that identity, and that is to win the world for Jesus. Amen. I'm glad to hear you articulate that. And I, I would add to that that uh, I am absolutely settled when it comes to our doctrine. Amen. Uh, I would make the same reference to the significance of the covenants that we share, the covenant of soldiership an officership. Uh, I, I believe these things are rock solid and we don't need to unpick that which has taken 154 years mm. to, to safeguard us in this 21st century. I, I don't think these are the things that are up for debate. Amen. Now, the changeability of the army, my goodness, when I walk around the world, which I'm privileged to do, I see entrepreneurial, creative approaches to ministry, to the message. I see engagement with cross-generational realities. I, I, I see, in most instances, I didn't know we did that. <laughs> you know, uh, so I guess any thought that we've become archaic or out of step or not engaging in the 21st century, I, I would say, let, let me talk to you about that. Amen. I love and let me show you the creativity of countless salvationists around the world who are not stuck in any particular rut at all. Can you give me an example of that? Like of one that's right. inspiring well, to you? Can I give you an American one? Oh, well, there you go. I'll take Another it. territory. Okay, that's all right. Uh, I just finished um, uh, on Sunday uh, from Old Orchard Beach. Oh, right, right. Uh, I, I went there to do camp meetings, which I understood Old Orchard Beach primarily to be focused on. What I didn't grasp was the creative ministry happening at such a place as Old Orchard Pier. Right, right. It's an open public space. And there we have this incredible stage and we have this evening program, and day-long program for that matter, but an evening program that was using, in Williams Booth's words, every creative bit of energy possible, tunes from uh, shows that are on Broadway to bring people in, but a succinct and specific way to bring the gospel forward to them. We had artists and magicians and uh, people doing trapeze and wow. all this kind of stuff to pull people in. And in the middle of fireworks, the Salvation Army band is playing and the fireworks seems to be lining up in good 4-4 time and I'm just flabbergasted. And while all the crowds are passing us by to head home, tens of thousands 
some uh, beautiful voices being heard and singing Amazing Grace. Wow. And I don't think one person passed us by without pausing wow. to listen. And to, so, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. We, 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 we know how to do this. We're much better at it than we give ourselves credit for. Wow. I love it. I, I'm always encouraged to hear those type of stories that you know, yeah. God's raised the Salvation Army up and he's sustaining us and he'll lead us. Hopefully we'll yeah. listen to I, the I places he's leading. Andy, I continue to be surprised. This episode of Captain's Corner is brought to you by an anonymous donor who loves the ministry of the Salvation Army and RegisterToRing.com. Register to Ring is the simple way to sign up to ring bells at the Salvation Army. Ringing bells is a cherished holiday tradition, and money raised goes directly to help people in need in your community. To volunteer to ring in your community this holiday season, go to registertoring.com to sign up today. You can sign up as an individual or a group. Just go to registertoring.com. And let me just add that in Tampa, this has been a blessing to have Register to Ring in place. We've had a great expansion of our volunteer efforts because of Register to Ring. So check that out today. And our thanks to these sponsors for their help in producing Captain's Corner. Well, I, I loved hearing some of the things that you said, too, about the, the things that don't change, the things that aren't up for debate. You know, sure. one of the most consistent issues that we confront in our society now is related to human sexuality. I mean, these questions are not just limited right. to the popular debates of same-sex behavior, same-sex marriage, but also infidelity, yeah. cohabitation, transgender concerns. I, we don't deal with it as much in my context of polygamy and polyamory, but I mean, this yeah. is an area of concern for us in our time and developing the right type mm. of theology to accompany this, to offer our services with the love of God, without discrimination is a challenge. Yep. But how can you, how are you able to lead the Salvation Army through this cultural moment, particularly regarding human sexuality? Uh, again, uh, another huge question that has so many dimensions to it. But let me see if I can string my thoughts together. That might be helpful to some of your listeners. Yeah. Um, I, I might want to be dismissive about such a large question, but prompts me to say, well, there are words of encouragement that we all need to hear. Mm -hmm. um, the general has available to him incredible resources in the uh, context of an international theological council. I mm -hmm. uh, also have an international moral and social issues council. These people who are uh, completely trustworthy and reliable have been assisting the general, if you like, and how we do, just as you've suggested, how do we respond to such a diverse reality in the context of a diverse world? Uh, I mean, we would understand, I'm sure, that the Salvation Army serves in countries where um, anything in reference to human sexuality is not to be spoken of. Right. Any activity in some of those dimensions of human sexuality outside of heterosexual marriage is outlawed, punishable extremely mm -hmm. and uh, so we serve in those countries obviously the conversation there is going to be a bit tempered and what the general says for and on behalf of the international salvation army has to sit well in that particular context as well as it sits well in a rather secularized european context right so words coming from your general have to be very carefully weighed because there's a tremendous weight in the words yes. that we sometimes say. 
So in the context of where we are at the moment, uh, we are strongly encouraging all facets of Salvation Army to engage in, in dialogue with one another. And as a result, we've created tools. And as you suggest, this is not just a singular issue. This is about human sexuality that takes us into uh, everything from same sex to extramarital sex to pornography right. to child brides, yes. sex outside of uh, any reality that one person is comfortable with. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, what I want for the Salvation Army in these days is to understand better what we believe, why we believe. Why mm -hmm. is marriage so important to us, the context of marriage being one man to one woman for all of life? Yes. Why is the covenant of marriage significant? Why are our covenants of soldiership and officership right. exclusive? Yes. And I am not certain that uh, Salvationists in our pews are engaging in these dialogues. So we've created tools to help with that and to provide even uh, training and faith-based facilitation so that we can have those conversations one with the other. I have signaled quite clearly that our uh, sense of marriage is not up for redefinition. Wonderful. I have, I've been quite clear about the fact that our covenants are safe and in the care of people who see it that way. That doesn't mean that we don't have to provide a space for grace right. and dial back the uh, judgmental realities that sometimes come out of our ignorance people's journeys, and often people who are around us, who are part of our communities, particularly our faith communities, and even more so our families in our churches and so on. General, that is a wonderful answer, <clears throat> and um, I gave you a very hard question, and <laughs> I really appreciate you taking time to answer it and um, to give More that, that sort said. of clarity. Of course, yeah. I mean, there's books Books should be written, and um, I think those of us who are preaching regularly are, are, are thinking about these topics and figuring sure. out ways that we can speak into our culture because yeah. um, we believe every person can be the person God's called them to be. Absolutely. And um, I do, we just taught a soldiership class last week, and we went over that line that you know we'll yeah. uphold the sanctity of marriage and family life, and these things are yeah. a part of the way we express our mission. So I'll, I'll, I'll go off an easier question now, hopefully. Good. What, what, Thank you. I, I, off the hot seat, so to speak, and that's not a very smart thing for me to do as a captain um, about several several chairs below you. But what are some things that you wish every person engaged in Salvation Army's mission? Um, for instance, um, we, we have advisory board members, we have volunteers, soldiers, staff. What do you wish they knew about the global work, What the global work of the Army? Mm. Uh, again, and uh, that may be a, a broader question than the one before. Oh, uh, sure, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess that's no, a theme. It's, it's in the context that my responsibility is to lead the International Salvation Army. I, I don't lead the army in the U.S. Southern Territory. Right. I don't lead the army in Japan, Indonesia, Zimbabwe. I lead the International Salvation Army. I would wish that our people and our friends understood more that I have 59 people around the world who are delegated with my authority to look after the temporal and spiritual well-being of the army across 131 countries. Hmm. For me, that is absolutely amazing. Yes. My privilege then is to lead 
those leaders and to tell the international story, which we do because it is so incredibly beautiful. I, I would want people to know, for instance, that uh, and this may be a surprising statistic, even to yourself, that nearly one half of our Salvation Army membership and work exists in countries where World Watch has said it is difficult to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Wow. So we're not talking about friendly governments or niches within Christian communities. We're talking about uh, sometimes significant opposition. And in the days in which we're living, we're hearing lots wow. about the perse persecution of the church. I, I'd want the world to know that so that the world where there is an ease and a freedom about our expression of faith, that we would pray for a good portion of the army that's really, really working hard to be faithful. Wow. You know, we sing the song regularly and with lots of gusto, I'll go in the strength of the Lord, but I'm reminded that yeah. one of the choruses, the chorus says, to suffer and triumph, I'll go. And yeah. I think about, I'm, I'm humbled by the reality that I sing that and I walk into a place that's accommodating in a, in a culture yeah. that's relatively accommodating. So just encourage everyone who hears what the general just said, please be in prayer for people yes, who are please. in places that are unfriendly to the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd also, and if I could yeah, yeah. Uh, just say, uh, I'd want the world to know uh, beyond our Salvation Army how resilient our people are wow. in the face of challenge, uh, limited resources, yeah. or even in the devastation that comes through natural disaster. Nearly every day I am thinking and praying for people who are at the short end of a very difficult reality, whether it's a lack of food today in Zambia or a disruptive reality in Hong Kong. And that list goes on, and daily people are, are bouncing back in their faith by God's grace. So mm. I want the world to know that the Army membership and its supporters are incredibly resilient it's the only word i can come up with amen and while that's happening there's every evidence that the blessing of god's hand is upon this movement today and that's what i witness to wherever i get an opportunity to stand and speak amen i love hearing that um if who would be some of the people who influence you the most <laughs> i'd have to go back to some of these uh, early core officers i mm. believe uh, got to understand, it came from a, a, another church setting. I, I stepped in through the youth group. Uh, I, I was welcomed and made provision for. I, I didn't come out of a, a music tradition or anything of that nature. I wasn't a core cadet. Uh, I just showed up at 16, you know? Awesome. And uh, people... People went out of their way to take notice of a 16-year-old kid who seemingly had some openness to, to the Word and to God. And, and I, was, I was taken in, literally, and nurtured and encouraged and given opportunity. Wow. Where, where was that? Is that in St. John's? Uh, it was absolutely amazing, even though I—no, uh, that was in— uh, what's now known as Trinity Bay South Corps. Okay. And uh, we didn't live in that community. We drove there on a Sunday. They, they let me get there somehow on a Friday night so I could do youth group. And 
then the core officer would say, well, stay for Sunday now. You don't need to go home. Uh, that's what I mean. They wow. they literally took me in. And, you know, a couple of years later, I'm a cadet in the train college. Amazing. So is there uh, one so leader? Oh, I go back to that. I love, I love that picture. Hopefully that's encouraging as we are welcoming people into our, particularly young people, yeah. into our congregations. Yes. Is there one leader, uh, like even if a, a former general or something that you look up to, see as a pattern for your leadership? Uh, you challenge me with that kind of question. I'm sorry. There are, there are literally many, but, you know, I have to go back to some privileged moments I had. We were serving on the training school in Toronto. And General Wiseman of that day was a guest lecturer at our training school. And guess who got to drive him back and forth to his, wow. his residence? It was the young captain, right? Wonderful. And what I treasure and I still rely upon was these uh, just nuggets of gold, these words of wisdom that as a retired international leader, he dropped into my life. Wow. And I think that would have been the closest exposure I would have had to any of our international leaders in that day. And so if I'm going to put somebody on the docket, I, I think I would put Clarence Wiseman there wow. as someone who, I still quote things he said to me in that car. Wow. Today. His special moments. Do you have a picture yeah. of, the, of, of you with him at all? That would, no, I don't. I would love to see. That would be a we great shot of you driving him. I would love to see a picture we of We didn't do selfies. Oh, that. man. I know. You, you didn't know when you became general, probably you'd be taking hundreds of selfies every week. Oh, my goodness. It's a whole new world. <laughs> well, I know I, I don't want to take too much more of your time, and you've been no, so no. generous with it. Um, what is there something you're reading now or something that God's doing in your life now that you'd like to like to share with us? Um, my goodness. That, that's another you got to narrow down those I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll work on it. And next, the next time, I'll be, a very, I'll be more particular. Look, uh, it gives me a good opportunity to say something that I, so far, have not had a lot of opportunity to say to the okay. Salvation Army or to friends that are listening to our broadcast. I, I am privileged. I, I started out with that word, so maybe it's a good word to Sounds finish good. with. I, I, I think that of all of the... 20 generals who have preceded me, I am absolutely blessed with the privilege to lead what I think is the strongest army that's ever existed, the more resourced army that's ever existed, Wow! an army with the best programmatic profile that has ever existed, and yet an army that finds significant favor in the public domain. Hmm. Now, I say all of that to say to you that uh, I'm back in Joseph's dream now where he's helping out uh, to interpret. Right. And I'm saying to the International Salvation Army, I'm saying to anyone who will listen, these are days of plenty for Hmm. the Salvation Army. Hmm. And I'm really asking the question of us, are we being faithful with all that God has given to us. Wow. And the reality there has some implications. What does it look like in 10, 12, 15 years' time? Yes. Will all of these things of plenty be available to us? In other words, are we doing our best now so that we can actually ensure, by God's grace, the trajectory of this organization, this movement of God, 
well into the future. Hmm. Because who knows, like you said in Joseph's dreams, if we're in the years of plenty, there might not be as pleasant years ahead. Well, there are indicators we will not have uh, certain things available to us. The officer um, contingency of 17,500, the most officers any general's ever had. Wow. If we do not mitigate against the extreme bell curve around the whole reality of retirement, which is an honorable thing. Yes. We will have far less officers in the future than we have today. How do, how do we how do we capitalize on these days of plenty, even in regard to that kind of challenge of how do we lead the mission in 2035? Wow. Well, and, you know, with God's grace, I'll still be serving in 2035. So I appreciate well, you thinking about it. <laughs> it's a, uh, I think I'm headed for 2047. So oh, um, well, there you go. we'll there just you trust go. that God continues to, to lead oh. us, just like you said. And I, I'm confident that it's God who raised us up. God will sustain yeah. us. And we need yeah. to be sensitive to what he, who he's calling us to be. Yeah. The main priority for the Salvation Army is to stick to our mission here on earth so that there's no withholding of God's blessing. The rest will take care of itself. Yeah. Well, General, it's such a privilege for us to have you on Captain's Corner. Thank you for your time. I want you to know that we pray for you, um, that we support you. Like uh, we try to bring up on a a regular basis here, I know across the the Army world that people are praying for you and are thankful yes. for the this privilege that you've taken on your, yourself and, of course, and your wife, too, as you both yes. continue to lead the Army and your team at IHQ. Um, just know of our prayers for you and our gratitude for you taking on this task, and um, we're looking forward to what God's going to do. How, how many years do you have to serve in this uh, role? It's a five-year term, okay. and uh, as of August 3rd, I have completed one year. So I've got four more good years, full years to go, and they look incredibly wonderful at this point. Well, you know, Tampa, Florida is a great place to visit. You know, we have the uh, west coast of Florida. In those four years, we're going to have to get you here. I'm sure we'll enjoy. All right. Thank you so much, General. God bless you. Thank have a good you. day. God bless you as well. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Captain's Corner. Next week on the podcast, we will have Dr. Tim Tennant, the president of Asbury Theological Seminary. If you'd like to learn more about us, please feel free to check us out at tampasa.org and give us a follow on Twitter at Sal Army Tampa. And of course, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time.